In 2 Samuel 6, we are reminded once again that God's ways are not our ways. And in a very celebratory time as the Ark of the Covenant returns to Jerusalem and the people are celebrating, Uzzah goes to steady the Ark and God struck him. God broke out against Uzzah for his irreverence and he died. This is a text upon reading it at face value that confuses many, but God has his reasons. We'll get into that more and look at the holiness of God today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Do this to them, that they may live and not die. When they approach the most holy objects, Aaron and his son shall go in and assign each of them to his work and to his load. But they shall not go in to see the holy objects, even for a moment, lest they what? Lest they die. Some of you are saying, but wait a minute. I don't quite understand this. Remember, God is not safe, but he's good. He is holy. And he says, I will be treated as holy. There is a certain way I want you to carry these objects. I don't want you looking into them and I don't want you touching them. You cover them and you carry them with poles. Now, what's happening in 2 Samuel 6 as we go back there is they put the ark on what? Everybody remember? The ark is on a new cart. Do you know who did that? The pagans did that. When they were dealing with the Ark of the Covenant and they had captured it and then there was further scenes in 1 Samuel, they put the Ark on a new cart. That was not God's instruction. That was how the pagans dealt with the Ark. And the church sometimes is guilty of following the world. We say things like this in the modern church. Well, the ends justify the means. Oh, I'm not sure folks. Because look, it wasn't so much what David wanted to do, but how he did it. That was the issue. And how we do things is extremely important. Warren Wearsby comments. He says, the church today needs to heed this reminder and return to the word of God for an understanding of the will of God. No amount of unity of enthusiasm can compensate for disobedience. When God's work is done in man's way, and we imitate the world instead of obeying the word. We can never expect the blessing of God. The crowds may approve of what we do, but what about the approval of God? The way of the world is ultimately the way of death. The crowds may cheer you on, but the question is, has anybody looked at what the Bible says about this? Think about it. Wasn't there one Bible scholar who knew the book of Numbers who saw them put the ark on a cart and said, wait a minute, hold on, hold on one second. Let me, let me, I'm gonna check my Bible. The book of Numbers says, this is the way you're supposed to move this thing. So don't you think we should do it that way? I seem to recall bad things happening that involve pagans and carts in this ark. Sometimes we need someone in our family to say, hold on a minute. Sometimes if we're in a relationship and we are trying to justify it by the books of the world or the, the words of the world. We got to check the word of God. Do you want to live God's way or your way? 
Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Now look, we're all trying to grow, amen? None of us are perfect. We're, some, some of us are realizing more about who God is as we go on. And that knowledge brings illumination of God's will. And David was doing the same. But I, I just have to wonder, where was one Levite, one priest, one, one scholar who said, hold on, don't move the ark that way. But they stayed quiet and somebody died. You know, we're often guilty of what I would call the sin of omission. We, we think a lot about sins being commission, what we commit. But sins of omission is when we know the right thing to do and we don't do it. When we know the right thing to say and we don't say it. And why? Usually for purposes of what? non rockabotus that's the Latin. <laughs> Whatever you do, no rockabot. And the second reason that we often do it is known by two letters, P-C. We want to be politically correct. We, we, we don't want, you know, people to think we're strange or weird about all this Bible stuff, right? So we, we often stay quiet. And so now someone's laying dead on the ground. And David became angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah, verse 8, chapter 6 of 2 Samuel. And that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. It means bursting out against Uzzah. So David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? And David was unwilling to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David, that is Jerusalem, with him. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And everybody went home. Can you imagine? They have to pick up this dead body. David goes home. What do you think David's thinking? How many nights do you think he tossed and turned thinking, I want to bring the ark into the city of God, but I'm kind of afraid of God right now. Some of you have had seasons like that. Some of you have had seasons where you're angry at God and you're afraid of him simultaneously. And you're like, you know what? What I thought I knew about you, some of you are thinking it right now as you read this account. Because you haven't read certain sections of your Bible yet. And then you read them and you go, ooh, wow. That, that's not the caricature that I necessarily had of the God of the Bible. Or Jesus often depicted as a lamb around his shoulders, but not often depicted as turning money, the tables of the money changes over in the temple and cracking a whip in the temple. By the way, he did do that before Indiana Jones ever used a whip. Jesus had a whip. Jesus didn't play games with people. He was God incarnate, living holiness before the world. But he was also good and loving and kind and benevolent and incredibly gracious. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. God's presence brings God's blessing. They kind of just put the ark here for convenience purposes, but all of a sudden, Obed-Edom's going, man, things have been good lately. Wow. Everybody's doing great. Nobody's fighting in the house. Crops are good. I don't know all the blessings that were going on, but he was being blessed. And by the way, a house that has God at the center will be blessed. 
And so it was told the king, David, saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him on account of the ark of God. And David went and brought up the ark. <laughs> David said, oh, well, okay, if that's the case, let's try this again. And David went and brought up the ark of, the, of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. Now, if you're Obed-Edom, you had to be a little bit bummed, right? Like, come on, David. Can I just stay here a little bit longer? But David heard the message and God gives second chances. And David was going to try it again. But I'm sure he thought this through a little bit more, don't you think? You ever been at a point in your life where you did something and God did not bless it? In fact, maybe it was just the opposite of what you thought. And you get a second chance. And you, you move a little slower. You, you move with a little bit more reverence and a little bit more meditating on the things of God. Anybody witness to that? Sometimes those are the best lessons. First Chronicles 15, one, it says, David built houses for himself in the city of David. He prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. And David said, no one is to carry the ark of God, but the Levites. For the Lord chose them to carry the ark of God and to minister to him forever. And now they're gonna get Levites and they're gonna carry the ark with poles on their shoulder. Now they're going to do things the right way. But Uzzah still paid the ultimate price. Uzzah still died. And David had to live with that. And so did the other leaders. And so it was, verse 13, chapter 6, that when the bearers of the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, now they're being very careful, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. I think this was to confirm that God was pleased. And David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod, which is a priestly garment. David begins to dance, and his dance is an expression of worship. Now, I don't know how many of you have issues with dancing. Um, some of you really do. Some of you are the people that at the wedding, you ain't getting up. It doesn't matter what's going on, right? The comedian Brian Regan had a great little thing on dancing. He said, you know, sometimes I think about things like this, like where did dancing ever come from? Do you think two people were just looking at each other one day and said, you know, instead of just standing here and looking at each other like this, why don't we just start moving a little bit? <laughs> Isn't that funny? I mean, where did dance, who thought of just starting to? <laughs> That's pretty much all I got right there. I'm right in the pocket. Right? What's the king doing dancing? Have you ever seen someone dance and been a little bit uncomfortable? <laughs> Mostly because they can't dance. They're trying to stir the pot and you're like, kill it. <laughs> Woo! Don't do that again, please. And people... In the modern church, wonder, is there a place for dancing? Should we dance? Well, Psalm 30, verse 11 says, you have turned my mourning into dancing. In Psalm 150, verse 4, the last psalm says, praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. You know, the Jewish people are not a somber people. When they celebrate... At their festivals, and I'm not saying that...
Hey folks, I've been telling you about different ways that you can connect with Walk in Truth. And one of the ways you can do it through modern technology is download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll have access to all kinds of cool resources, including one thing I'm going to highlight today, which is a devotional. It's a video devotion I've done on, will God give you any more than you can handle? Question mark. I'm sure you've had that question. It's a five minute video devotion. It'll bless you. You can refer friends to it and hopefully it'll help you with your walk. Download the Radio Scribe app, search for Walk in Truth and check out the devotion today. God bless you. Two people were just looking at each other one day and said, you know, instead of just standing here and looking at each other like this, why don't we just start moving a little bit? <laughs> Isn't that funny? I mean, where did Dan, who thought of just starting to? <laughs> That's pretty much all I got right there is I'm right in the pocket, Right? What's the king doing dancing? Have you ever seen someone dance and been a little bit uncomfortable? (laughs) Mostly because they can't dance. They're trying to stir the pot and you're like, kill it. (laughs) Don't do that again, please. And people in the modern church wonder, is there a place for dancing? Should we dance? Well, Psalm 30, verse 11 says, you have turned my mourning into dancing. In Psalm 150, verse four, the last Psalm says, praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. You know, the Jewish people are not a somber people. When they celebrate at their festivals, and I'm not saying that this was the norm in the life of Israel, because I'm not sure it was, But at their festivals and at special occasions, they danced and they did not hold back. And David's dance was an expression of worship. Jesus said, what shall I compare this generation? You're like children sitting in the marketplaces who call out to other children. Jesus says, this is Matthew 11, 16 through 19. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. John came neither eating nor drinking and you say he has a demon. The son of man, Jesus, came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, he's a gluttonous man and and a drunkard, a friend of tax gatherers and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. You know, we judge people sometimes by the silliest things. And Jesus said, John came in somber sobriety, if you will, or he came in in somber, uh, you know, exclusion from the culture, and you guys accused him of having a demon. You guys said, oh, he played the dirge and you wouldn't mourn. The son of man was at parties with sinners and tax collectors. He apparently partook of wine, as we can see even in the Last Supper. Never in excess, let's be clear. Never beyond what was appropriate. And we can talk about, you know, what was in the wine and all of that. That's for another time. He said, we played the flute and you wouldn't dance. No matter what John did, they would not be pleased. And no matter what Jesus did, they would not be pleased. Jesus was with people that shocked them and they didn't like it. John was out in the wilderness wearing 
a garment of camel's hair, eating, what was it? Honey-covered locusts, which was a cereal back in the day. And they didn't like him. Why? Because it wasn't all about them. That was the bottom line. And so David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. First Chronicles 15, 16 said they had harps and lyres and loud sounding cymbals and they were raising sounds of joy. They had symbols of bronze. And it happened, verse 16, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, that Michael, the daughter of Saul, she's not called uh, David's wife, she's called the daughter of Saul. We'll see why. She looked out the window and saw the king, king David leaping and dancing before the Lord and she despised him in her heart. Jesus was despised and rejected among men. She looks out the window, sees her husband leaping and dancing around before the ark in a linen ephod. By the way, First Chronicles tells us he had a royal robe on as well. So I don't think he was exposing himself as some people think. I think he simply had another priestly garment on top and he was joyously worshiping the Lord. And Michael looked out the window and she despised him. She didn't like what he was doing. The Bible says she despised him in her heart. David was making merry, he was leaping, and she despised him. And so they brought in the ark of the Lord 17 and set it inside uh, the tent, inside its place, the tent which David had pitched for it. It's, this is not the tabernacle now, it's a, it's a tent that David had made for this purpose. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Both speak of Jesus Christ, by the way. Burnt offerings and peace offerings. And when David had finished offering the burnt offering and the peace offering, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. It seems like David's doing some priestly things. He's wearing an ephod. He's blessing the people, probably protection and blessing of the nation, 19. Further, he distributed to all the people, to all the multitude of Israel, both the men and women, a cake of bread and one of dates and one of raisins to each one. The Hebrew here is oatmeal raisin cookies. So just mark that down. Just kidding. Then all the people departed each one to his house. Now, those of you who are involved in the sweet fellowship ministry here, this is biblical, okay? The king was handing cakes out to people. This is where it all began for the church, right here. <laughs> biblical precedent, donut ministries, Oatmeal raisin cookies on fellowship nights. It's all there. It's all coming from the king. Do you see Pastor Michael trying to squeeze this a little bit to justify my actions? Anyway, and all the people went home. This is kind of like a uh, celebratory meal for a festival, 20. But when David returned to bless his household, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David. Oh, she couldn't wait. You know, sometimes you have that mountaintop experience, like you're leading the people, there's celebration, there's meals, there's oatmeal raisin cookies, people are, but thank you, David, this is an awesome day, the ark, it's good, Jerusalem, yeah. And then you come home. <laughs> oh, she couldn't wait. She came out to meet him, and here's what she did. She said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. He uncovered himself today in the eyes of his servants, 
uh, maids as one of the foolish ones shamelessly uncovers himself. Just so you know, you made a fool of yourself today. Thanks, honey. (laughs) Wow. Here's the king. And he may have had the royal robe set aside. I don't know for sure. And that could speak of Jesus. But David was was worshiping the Lord. And David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father. This is communication 101 in marriage, by the way. This is something to take note of. (laughs) You start bringing in fathers and mothers, it's not gonna go good. Anyway, who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will celebrate By the way, uh, some scholars say that the scene here of the moving of the ark is probably behind at least 11 psalms in our Bible. Here's one of them. Psalm 24, 7 says, Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. By the way, David wrote this psalm. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah. Songs were probably penned for the occasion. Worship is going on before the Lord. Bible passages are being birthed, perhaps. And David says, I will be more lightly esteemed than this, 22, and will humble, be humble in my own eyes, but with the maids of whom you have spoken, with them I will be distinguished. It's a little variant reading here. It's either my eyes or your eyes. Either way, David says, it's not about me. I was doing this before the Lord. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child till the day of her death. By the way, that's one of the worst things that could happen to a woman in Israel. There are some scholars that believe that David no longer was with her intimately as a punishment, I don't think that we can necessarily come to that conclusion. But the conclusion we can come to is probably that the Lord made her barren because she did what she did. And by the way, her barrenness would have another purpose. She was the daughter of who? Saul, and Saul's line would be cut off from the throne forever. My ways are not yours. And you come to the end of this chapter and you go, okay, Application, please. Pastor Michael, help. Oatmeal raisin cookies, good with that. God is holy, understand that. Look, God wants us to live our lives his way, not our way. Teach me your ways, O Lord. That's what David prayed. But we know David, we're we're gonna read in this book how many times he fails, He's already been failing at home in his marriages. He's already taken on multiple wives. And he's going to learn the hard way. (laughs) Probably like we all do. Amen. But we can save ourselves some hard lessons because these things were written for our instruction upon the whom the ends of the ages have come that we don't do, loose paraphrase, the dumb things that Israel did. Right? So we have a Bible that was written for our instruction. So when you come here and you hear the word of the Lord, the best thing to do is make your life an application station. 
Everybody understand what I'm saying? If you leave today and say, gee golly, that was nice, kind of, maybe, I don't even know. And you go on with your normal life, the Bible has no relevance to you. But if you say, Lord, teach me your ways this week. Lord, Monday at work, in my choices I'm going to make, in the way that I think, the way I spend my time, the way I'm serious or not about my Bible, about sharing my faith, about living out the good works that you prepared beforehand that I should walk in them, dot, dot, dot. That's when we know change is coming. Father, thank you so much for your word. It is powerful. It is illuminating. It is challenging. It sometimes rocks us to our very core. But thank you, Lord, that you show us things about who you are in your word that we need to heed. And Lord, we know you are holy. This chapter, undoubtedly, one of the major themes is the holiness of God. But Lord, when things were done the right way, blessings followed. When things were done the wrong way, there were really negative, troubling things. But when things were done the right way, your way, blessings followed. And I do believe the principle is the same because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. When we do things your way, blessings follow. And I pray you would bless your people, Lord. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. But Lord, you told us to work out what you're working in us. Not to work for our salvation, but to work out our salvation and to do it with fear and trembling. And Lord, we know that that's something that you call us to do, to look at our lives and to follow your ways. Follow the highway of holiness, Lord. Help us in these areas of our lives Help us to make progress, even if it's just little steps. With your head and heart bowed, if you need to do some business with the Lord right now, maybe there's an area of your life where you know it's out of whack and God's been trying to get your attention. Maybe you are trying to do something, your intentions are good, but you're doing it the wrong way. You can see the end and it looks promising, but the means is not pleasing to God. I would just encourage you, just stop the cart right now and take God's path. Readjust and do it his way because his way is the best way. If you have not met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, cry out to him, save me. I believe in your death on the cross, your resurrection from the dead. I wanna follow you. Cry out to him and he'll hear your prayer and he'll start to do a new work in your heart and change you from the inside out. Father, for this precious congregation, keep them strong, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that not one thing that they do for you is ever in vain. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, folks, I'm excited to tell you about another way that you can connect with Walk in Truth. Download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll find a lot of cool resources. You'll be able to listen to messages, you can access devotionals, and you can partner with Walk in Truth and help us reach more people. Download the Radio Scribe app, search for Walk in Truth, and find a lot of cool resources there. I know it'll be a blessing to you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.